Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. This is lesson number 13, and the title of this is simply, God is Love. Now, again, I prayed and waited on God, and he put these lessons together in the order in which they are. Me, personally, I would have probably put this lesson at the first beginning, either the first or second lesson, but that's not the case. But after teaching 12 lessons and doing the introductory lesson, I understand that why now this lesson would be even more appreciated, and it's simply God is love. God is love. What does that mean? Um, everything in the Bible is the love of God expressed. Not just the parts we like or agree with. God warns men of sin's consequences, and he calls that love. Now, today we don't. If you disagree with somebody or you call them out on something, you're being unkind. In fact, now it's hate speech if you disagree with a person and their choices or lifestyle. Because love today is, no matter what I do and how I do it, you're supposed to say, that's good, that's good, yeah, that's good, wonderful, yeah. Uh, sorry, that's foolishness. And why would I call it foolishness? Because the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. That's said several times in the scripture. And to say that everything is okay and whatever person's choices are, uh, that th those are good choices. All of them are good choices. And, of course, if that those choices go bad, then it's never my fault. It's always somebody or something else's fault. It's not my fault that I made choices that turned out bad because it's good, good, good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, no, no. The Scripture says this, and, and not only in the light of this lesson, but kind of just to take a breath here, with all the lessons that I, I, these previous 12 lessons plus the introduction. Uh, scripture says, the full soul loatheth the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for that they shall be filled. If this world can satisfy you, you're not looking for Jesus. And frankly, Jesus is not looking for you. John chapter 7, Jesus said, uh, verse 37, he, he stood and cried. The Greek word translated cried there means he wasn't weeping. He cried out with a loud voice to this multitude if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Well, of course, they, that was the last day, the great day of the feast. And they had been eating and drinking in religious feasting for a whole week. And to the crowd, he must have sounded ludicrous. What are you, delusional? Why should anybody be thirsty? And Jesus was saying, if the trappings of religion can satisfy you, I'm not looking for you. But if all of this doesn't satisfy you, if you're still thirsty, come unto me and drink. So he said, the full soul loatheth the honeycomb. 
the, the sweetest thing just about you can put in your mouth. I mean, it is overload when you, when you take a bite of that. It is sugar, natural sugar, not, not processed sugar. It is sugar personified. And if you're full, I don't know. I don't want any more of that. It's too much. That's too much. I don't want that. But the hungry soul, he gobbles up even that which may be bitter to the taste. Now, that all goes back to the shoe bread, is the King James word for it, that was baked and put into the holy place in the temple and the tabernacle. For the priest to eat in worship to God because that bread was a type of the word of God that was baked fresh daily. But it was sprinkled with frankincense which caused it to be bitter to the taste. But when eaten, that bread was very sweet to the belly. The scripture says all that. In other words, there are so many things in our life that the love of God allows that are unpleasant is a nice way of putting it to our flesh but when we swallow it in trusting to the Lord we don't reject him or the the thing he's allowing but we say I trust you Lord and I embrace that thing the result of it is it that it is sweet to my inner man and there have been some things in these previous 12 lessons that are very sweet to the hunger soul Some of them are bitter, some of them not near as bitter, but the bottom line is most of it is not what a person wants to hear if they're living a life of religion. And uh, what's, what's the difference between religion and having a relationship with God? Well, the problem is, is on the surface they're so close that too many can't tell them apart. The religious try to obey the commandments themselves to earn God's love. Those that know Jesus and have a relationship with him and have humbled themselves before them, him, they receive his love because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And by receiving the love of the Spirit of God, they receive the love of God, which they cannot earn or deserve. They have to receive it as a, a gift they cannot earn or deserve. But once the love of God, the Spirit of God is in us, he will empower us to keep his commandments. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, keep my commandments so that I'll love you. No. Now, keeping his commandments is evidence that he is in us and loving us. Because nobody, no man, can live without sinning. No man. That's what Paul said. Read it. Romans chapter 7. He, of all people, said, uh, that which I do, I want to do, I, I, I can't find how to do it. And that which I don't want to do, I can't find how to not do it. To will to do good is present with me. But how to find out how to do that will, I, I, don't, find, I don't find that. I don't know how to do that. And then finally he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So God is love. Love is God. 
The only thing the love of God cannot do is force or compel us to accept, believe, receive his love for us. The love of God can do anything else except make us let him love us. Can't do it. Not in this life. Not in this life. He can't. He will not. The love of God can do anything and everything else. Everything we have was given to us by the love of God. And Second Corinthians 2, and we know uh, 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 I hath not seen, ear is not heard, neither is entered in the heart of, uh, of man the things that has, God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. We don't, we don't know what all God has available for us that love him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights in whom is no variable is neither shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift. All that good stuff, the good that comes down. The bad comes from here. The good comes from God. But God in his goodness and love sometimes lets us go through this. Why? <laughs> if I was born with unlimited resources and never had a need, I would never know the, the love of God's and his ability to miraculously supply for me. Now, in eternity, none of this is going to be an issue for the saved in eternity. But this is our time of growing. This is our time of learning. This is when God is doing something in our lives that needs to be done. To prepare us. I've said it many times. This life is the second womb. In the first womb, only the natural man was created. Our physical being. Yes, we had DNA, but that DNA was only the, 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 that which would guide the development of us, of us when we grew up physically. But character, the spirit of a person, their priorities, what they are, what they're going to become, what, what they learn, what they understand, what they have wisdom about, that what they learn how to do, uh, what they learn are the priorities. All of these things are growing and developing things that we will need for our place in the eternal kingdom, each of our places. Everyone has a, their own place in God's eternal kingdom, and he is preparing us for that now. Now he's preparing us for that. And these things are growing. The inner man, the outer man grew in the mother's womb, and the inner man grows in this womb, this temporal life. That's why this life is just like we had a, an expectation for those outside the womb. We, the inside the womb, you don't know, didn't know how long it was going to last. The, 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 the baby in the womb doesn't know how long it's going to be there. But outside of the womb, but from experience, we know that shouldn't be but about nine months. Now, in this life... We don't really know how long any one of us is going to be here. You know, uh, the Bible says possibly three score and ten, and by reason of strength, uh, four score, but uh, some don't live near that long, and some live longer than that. So we don't know how long we're going to be here. No man knows the day of his own death, and it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So here we are. We're in this life. 
and we're being, we're growing and developing all of that inner man. So I've said this many times. Why is it that at the time you begin, you reach the place where you know the most, you've got the most experience, the most wisdom, your character has gone through so many trials and tribulations to get formed and your revelation of God, your understanding of God, your relationship with God is all at its peak. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. We all peak there. Then it's time to leave. If this life was it, that doesn't make sense. Why didn't he give us all of that from the beginning so we can use it for our whole lives? Why do we spend our whole lives learning that and growing that? Love of God. Because this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. Now, biblically, I've got some idea of what's coming. But none of us know exactly what's coming. That's what trusting God's all about. That baby in the womb doesn't know what's coming. But the mother in whose womb the baby is has all these wonderful thoughts, hopefully. There's a few that don't, but the great, great majority do, thank God have all these wonderful thoughts and desires for this baby and their, what their hopes of what this baby is going to grow up and become. And that baby, they love that baby in the womb and they, they give life to that baby and they love that baby while it's growing up. I mean, you know, the most uh, comparative love in some ways to the love of God is the love of a mother. But then God has both a mother's love and a father's love. And they're not the same. And they serve different purposes. But he does both of those with us. And in our coming to God and our salvation and in the early part of our life, he expresses the mother's love through the church, which according to Galatians 4, the church is the mother of us all. And he is the groom. He's the father. But then he begins to deal with us differently as we begin to, we go through spiritual puberty and now we are accountable to him to do the things we should do. And he trains us, he disciplines us, he teaches us and molds us and makes us into the image of the son, the mature son that he planned for us to be. And then about the time that we're fully mature, uh, it's time to be born. We call that death from inside this womb, but from the outside of the womb, it's the second birth from a womb. And so, of course, the new birth as we know it is fixing what the first birth messed up, uh, whatever it was. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and the, the, the new birth, the spiritual new birth, prepares us to go to this eternal new birth. Uh, that's just death, death for the child of God is just a transition. That's all it is. And that's why I have said on several occasions, I love my wife. She's the most important person in the whole world with me, to me. And if I have a choice, I don't ever want to be out of her presence. I'm never out of her presence by choice, ever. I mean, literally out of her presence. I like to be with her every moment. I like to have her either where I can touch her, reach out and touch her hand, or see her across the room or hear her voice. I, I want to be with her all the time. I'm never apart from her by my choice, ever. 
and she's the most important person in the world to me. So, uh, you know, but with that being said, I have said, if I die, don't be the person to pray me back here. Once I've crossed the finish line, don't pray me back across the finish line. I've lived my whole life, like Paul said, fought a good fight, kept the faith, run, finished my, run my race, finished my course. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness. When I cross the finish line, don't take, don't take that away from me and put, bring me back over here. The only reason to pray for someone to be resurrected is for the glory of God in the will of God. That's why God doesn't resurrect everybody we pray for. Because we're praying for that resurrection for ourselves. It's, it's for us. For our grieving. If that person is saved, it's, it's purely about us. It's not about them. The love of God. The only thing the love of God cannot do is force or compel us to accept or believe or receive his love for us. Otherwise, God's love is unlimited in every way. It knows no bounds. The love of God is indescribable, incomprehensible, and unfathomable. I, I, I just felt to do this. And, and so uh, the, the main focus of the last of this lesson is there is an old, old hymn. I think it was written in 2013. Uh, 1917 was written by uh, Frederick Lehman spent uh, uh, him 1917 the love of God and uh, if you've been around church of any kind for any period of time you've probably heard this song this hymn sung once or twice I remember singing it many times as a child the, the verse verse goes, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. And then verse 2 says, and this one kind of fits me. The hoary time, that white-headed time, shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call. God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels song. And then the chorus again, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels song. And then this one, oh, this is, this one is so powerful. Before I read this, I, I did a little research, and this is this is just a quick blurb. This last verse, uh, Frank Frederick Lehman, uh, who wrote this hymn, apparently adapted this uh, from the translation of a Jewish poem by Meyer Ben Isaac Nohorai. It seems that the hymn writer found it scribbled on the walls of a patient's room in an insane asylum after the death of its occupant 
But whatever its origins, it's a wonderful and unusually striking piece of devotional writing. (laughs) I'll try to make it through it. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Where every stalk of on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky oh love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song oh love of god how rich and poor pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song hallelujah 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 thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God is manifesting himself to you right now, my friend, whether you know him or you do not. He is making himself known to you right where you're sitting right now. Right now. I beg of you, I beg of you, I beg of you. Open your heart and mind and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. And ask him, Jesus, make your love known to me. I want to know you love me. I've heard it. I've been told you love me. I want to experience that love. Come upon me right now, Jesus. Move within me right now, Jesus. And let me receive what it is that you want to give to me. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. God bless you in Jesus' name. Would you just turn off this lesson and find yourself a place to pray? And you and Jesus enter into a time of fellowship and fellowship with his love. God bless you in Jesus' name.